So thank you for that ministry in music. This morning, we focus on the fact that a good reputation is very important. In 1971, Purdue Farms embarked on its first major advertising campaign that had been contracted by the firm Scully, McCabe, and Scoves. The firm came up with what at the time was rather unique, and that was putting the president of the organization on television himself. And uh, many of you will remember those commercials for Purdue chickens. And Frank Purdue would be on those commercials. And one of his slogans was, it takes a tough man to make a tender chicken. And then he would say, I have to be tough. My name is on every bird I sell. He was concerned with his name. He was concerned with his reputation. That when someone bought a Purdue chicken, it meant that they were getting the finest chicken available. He was concerned as to how he would be viewed, his reputation. The slogan for Vanguard Investments Group is, The Name You Can Trust. The name you can trust. The idea is, if you are being represented by Vanguard, if you are investing in any one of their various tools, then you can rest assured. Because you can trust the name Vanguard. A reputation is extremely important. Our key verse this morning comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1. If you would turn with me in your Bibles, if you are not yet there. It is the thought that holds what at first glance may look like a lot of diverse ideas, but they all come back to the main point in Ecclesiastes 7, 1, and that is a good name is better than a good ointment. A good name is better than good ointment. We ought to be concerned about our names, our reputation. But what in the world is that comparison? A good name is better than a good ointment. In the past, I made the mistake of buying a used car that had been previously owned by a smoker. That residual smoke was still present in the car even after I had purchased it and even after I had it for some time. And if you let the car sit in the sun with the windows up, my how that car would reek. It had an odor to it. And I was bent on getting rid of that odor. So one of the things I did was to buy one of those air fresheners that you can hang from your mirror. Can you picture that? This one was in the form of a little pine tree. Okay, a little green thing that hung, dangled from the rearview mirror to give off a pine scent. 
So now, I had this smoke odor and this sweet pine scent in my car that resulted in the most sickening combination of smells that you could imagine. It only made the situation worse, not better. And the idea of this verse is that a good reputation is great. A bad reputation stinks. And if you've got a bad reputation, no matter how much ointment you put on, it still stinks. If you've got a bad reputation, you can try to redeem it. You can try to do some good things. But all that does is make it even more sickening. Make it even more apparent that you can't be trusted. That you're not a person of integrity. So it's much better... To have a good reputation, then try to reform a reputation that stinks. That's the idea of Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1. So our concern this morning is, how can we obtain and maintain a good reputation? How can we obtain and maintain a good reputation? Reputation, And I believe that Ecclesiastes 1 through 12 gives us the answer to how we can obtain and maintain a good reputation. We obtain and maintain a good reputation by making the right life choices. We obtain and maintain a good reputation by making the right life choices. Choices. There are many choices that are available to us in life. Sometimes we have to even choose between the good and the better. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 1 through 12, the key word that is repeated six times in these 12 word verses is the word better. Better. Note with me, Ecclesiastes 7.1. A good name is better than a good ointment. Ecclesiastes 7.2. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. Ecclesiastes 7.3. Sorrow is better than laughter. Ecclesiastes 7.5. It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than for the one to listen to the songs of fools. Ecclesiastes 7.8 The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Ecclesiastes 7.10 Do not say, why is it that the former days were better than these? So the Word of God places choices. Before us, teaching us what is better. What is better. And so this morning, once again, the theme is we obtain and maintain a good reputation by making the right or better choices. So we want to look at those better choices in the time that we have remaining. So number one, we obtain and maintain a good reputation By choosing to take life seriously 
which is better than simply wanting to have fun. To take life seriously, which is better than simply wanting to have fun. In this regard, the scripture states, it is better to choose to go to a funeral home than an amusement park. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 2. It is better to go to a house of mourning than go to a house of feasting. At the funeral home, we are forced to come to grips with the realities and unpleasantries of life. Notice verse 2 gives us the reason. Because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. One of the things in going to a funeral home is that we are forced to come face to face with the realities of life and death. It reminds us that we are feeble, that we are frail. The whole point of an amusement park is to go there to not think. Think of the the root. Muse is to think. A is a prefix meaning not. Not to think. It's a place to go not to think. You don't want to take your book and sit and read on the roller coaster. It is a time to just get away and forget about everything and simply have fun. It is not a place to think about life and death. Although when I'm on a roller coaster, I think about life and death. But that is not what the intent is to be. But going to a funeral home makes you face the realities of life and death. I remember when I was a child, four years old, my grandmother died. And uh, after she had died, it was time, of course, to have a funeral. And as is many times the case, there was a previewing. A time for the immediate family to come and view the body before the regular viewing that would take place that would be open to the public. And so we were traveling to the funeral home for my parents to have a previewing of my grandmother's body. And the conversation as we traveled was between my mother and father as to whether or not I should view the body. Remember, I'm four years old. It's my grandmother. And they were debating back and forth whether it would be a good thing for me to view the body or whether it would be bad. Would it be traumatizing? Would I have nightmares? Would I have questions? Would it help me to get closure? What should happen? Uh, What should take place? So what happened was, initially my mother and father went into the funeral home to view the body. My brother and sister and I stayed outside. They're viewing. I'm four years old. I'm dressed up. I'm in a little suit. But I'm running around in and out of the bushes and uh, having a good time outside while they're inside viewing the body. Well, they decided it would be a good thing for me to come in to view the body. So after about ten minutes, I am now ushered in to the funeral home and up to the casket to view my Grandmother. It was a memorable experience, but not for the reason you may think. Because after we had viewed the body, I returned around 
And for whatever reason, this funeral parlor had a white carpet. And I had just been outside playing around the bushes. And it had rained the night before. And here were these little muddy footprints all the way up to the casket as we turned around and looked at that. And so all of a sudden I was in trouble for these muddy footprints on a white carpet. Well, it didn't traumatize me. And and to be quite frank, I really didn't think a lot about it. I went away thinking about these footprints because that is what made me get into trouble. But I do think that it's a wise thing to take children to a funeral home. And I would just say to you, I would encourage you before a family member dies, before somebody that's really close to your children, if they're very young, that they experience death of someone that's not so close to them, that they're not really emotionally involved with. Uh, I took my, my girls to, to funerals at very, very young age. I mean, as soon as they could walk, I was taking them to, to funerals. And I think it really prepared them for the time in which my mother, my father died. Uh, they were used to it. Their questions were answered. They knew what was taking place and, and they were ready. Well, that's a part of life. It's a part of life. Sometimes people want to ignore the difficulties and hardships of life. But you see, these things are preparatory in nature. And they prove to be valuable in our lives. The scripture says that we are to number our days who may apply our hearts unto wisdom. It's good to keep in mind that we will not live forever. Closely related is verse 3. That teaches us that godly sorrow brings joy, while worldly joy brings sadness. Sorrow is better than laughter. Why? For when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. You may be crying on the outside, but laughing on the inside is, is what is gathered. But the idea here is that that which makes us sorrowful in the beginning may actually prove To make us happy in the end. And conversely, though not stated, is implied that initially that which makes us happy might cause us to experience great sadness in the end. You see, part of a good reputation is understanding the consequences of the choices that we make. And sometimes those hard and difficult choices, though unpleasant in the beginning, prove to bring great joy in the end. Where other things that start out looking like they would be a lot of fun and pleasure, such as there's pleasure in sin for a season. But eventually you experience the consequences of the actions and that which initially brought joy actually brings sorrow. So the wise person thinks about the end of their life. While the fool is only thinking about enjoying the present, verse 4, the mind of the wise is in the house of the morning, while the mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. The mind, the attitude, the goals, the desires. So that the wise person is not just thinking about momentary pleasure, but is thinking about lasting value and consequence. The thought is that early in life, 
We have to learn that life is not just fun and games. We have to learn responsibility. We have to learn shouldering experiences in our lives. One of the mistakes, I think, that parents make with children is trying to shelter them from all of life's hardships, difficulties. Uh, There are problems that have to be faced. There are issues that you have to experience in life. And it's good not to shelter your children for all of them. There are issues that a four-year-old has to deal with. They have to learn disappointment. Seven-year-olds have to learn disappointment. Nine-year-olds have to learn disappointment. Twelve-year-olds have to learn disappointment. We have to learn that life is unfair. I remember when I was in first grade that uh, I, I didn't like going to school. I didn't like my teacher. My, my teacher was, I thought, rather mean. Uh, she didn't like me because my shoes squeaked. When I walked to the to blackboard, she would complain because my shoes were squeaking. So I went home and I always wanted to wear sneakers because I didn't want my shoes to squeak. You might think that she was old, but actually she was young. She was a young, young woman. And uh, as I say, I didn't like her. And the thing that really was the straw that broke the camel's back is that we had to color a picture. And the picture that we had to color was of a farmer loading his wagon with hay. And so I painted my, um, not painted, I, I, I colored my picture and I handed it in. And the teacher singled me out in front of the entire class and said, Calvin, you live on a farm. You ought to know that, that uh, hay is brown, not green. Ho, 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 ho. Yeah, when it's old and moldy, it's brown. But when you get a nice... Fresh bale of hay, it's as green as green can be. I was seething mad. I really was. I was, I, was only, I was only seven or six, but I was angry. And I remember going home and complaining to my, my mother about this teacher who made fun of me in front of the entire class. And I was storming out of the, of the kitchen. And my mother said to me, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to go get some hay and I'm going to take it to school tomorrow. (laughs) My mother said, no, you're not. She said, I forbid you to take any hay to school. And furthermore, you will not say another word about it. She thought she was doing what was right. You have to learn. That people make mistakes. She taught me that when I was six years old. And I can't tell you the value that that has been in my life ever since. People make mistakes. People say things to us that are unkind. People say things to us 
that get us upset. But a person of integrity, a person of reputation, learns how to handle those situations. Secondly, we obtain and maintain a good reputation by choosing to take correction graciously, which is better than surrounding yourself with people who tell you only what you want to hear. Don't surround yourself with people who just tell you what you want to hear. Verse 5. It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than for one to listen to the songs of fools. Better to receive the rebuke of a wise man. Are you able to accept correction? Are you able to be teachable? To be instructed? Are you able to learn there is a better way to do something? And yes, at times there are right ways. And there are wrong ways. You know, it is, I think... Very appropriate to ask a child to set a table. And you're not doing them any favor if you don't teach them that the fork goes on the left and the knife goes on the right. If you are afraid of offending this poor, sensitive child's feelings, and so you're just thankful that they participated and helped, and let them have the knife on the left and the fork on the right, Eventually, that's going to come back to haunt them. Eventually, you're going to be in a situation in which you're going to be an adult and be pretty embarrassed if you don't know how to set a table. A wise person is thankful for correction. Wants to learn. Wants to better themselves. Will ask People, what's the right way of doing it? The headstrong person is someone who, in defiance, doesn't want to be rebuked, doesn't want to be instructed, doesn't want to be taught, doesn't want to change. They know what they're doing. Hands off. Well, a person of good reputation is teachable. The fool fills the air with his laughter but when it is all said and done, there is nothing to show for it. So it says, it is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than one listen to the songs of fools. And then here's the illustration. For, as the crackling of thorn bushes under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool, and this too is futility. We don't cook with wood any longer. We don't have big pots that are hanging. We cook with electricity, we cook with gas. But in the time of the Old Testament, certainly if you were going to cook a big dinner, you had this huge pot and you would put wood under the pot in order to heat it. But if all you put under there were thorns and had nothing of any real substance, nothing of any real thickness, if all you had was a bunch of thorns, you could put that a match to it. Well, they didn't have matches, but you could, you could strike a flame and it would immediately flame up and crackle, make noise, but it would never heat the pot. It wouldn't achieve its purpose. It wouldn't achieve its end. It would dissipate before 
the meal was cooked. And the idea here is that laughter doesn't ever really accomplish anything. That's why it says it's futile. It's empty. Just wanting to be happy all the time without the willingness to accept rebuke won't bring about the desired end. It won't bring us to a place of maturity. It won't bring us to a place of development. It won't make us the people with the kinds of reputations that we want to have. People who just want to feel good about themselves will not make the needed sacrifices to do better. We live in a culture that teaches us that we should always, always, underline always, use positive reinforcement with our children. Never say anything negative. Never say no to your children. My daughter Ruth is here. My, uh, she was a, worked in a daycare center for a couple of years. And there was one rule in this secular daycare center. And that was, you were doing with what? Two and three year olds? One and two year olds. One and two year olds. And she was forbidden to use the word no. You never say no. And they had a monitor. Okay, they, they had a camera that would monitor her actions through the entire time so that she was with these children and she could never say no. She would have children biting other children. But you couldn't say no. Wouldn't you rather bite on this wall than bite on this children's arm? That'd be so much more enjoyable. That'd be so much better. But don't say, no, don't do that. You may harm the child or whatever the case. You can't say no. Well, you laugh and it seems absurd, but people are buying into that stuff. We need correction. We need people to say no to us. And not just as children, as adults. A person of good reputation is a person who, when confronted, will accept their wrongdoing and be grateful for the person who pointed it out. That is a person of good reputation, a person of integrity. Thirdly, we obtain and maintain a good reputation by choosing to be self-motivated, which is better than being motivated by manipulation. Choosing to be self-motivated as opposed to being motivated by manipulation. In other words, learning to be self-disciplined. Ecclesiastes 7.7 For oppression makes a wise man mad. A self-motivated person does not need to be forced to get things done. The self-motivated person doesn't have to have an outward force, doesn't have 
to have somebody standing over them, telling them what to do every moment. Constantly reminding them, have you done this? Have you done that? Are you finished yet? When children are young, you've got to do that. You've got to remind them. You've got to teach them. You've got to say, before you can play, you've got to do your homework. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to instill within them the proper choices. But eventually in life, we have to learn to be self-disciplined. Not having someone stand over us in order to force us to do the right thing. Secondly, a person who has to be constantly enticed to get things done will come to ruin. Ecclesiastes 7.7, for oppression makes a wise man mad and a bribe corrupts the heart. A bribe corrupts the heart. There is nothing wrong from time to time trying to entice people to do the right thing. To be rewarded. Maybe you have some kind of reward system in your home in dealing with your children. Maybe they get a star if they've done a certain chore and finished it on time. Maybe you give them points. Maybe they get a quarter. Maybe they get a 50 cents. Uh, living in a period of inflation. Maybe they get $5. I don't know what the growing rate is these days. But uh, the idea is there's some kind of reward. Nothing wrong with that. We give a reward for memorizing verses. We have Embark that says if you memorize a certain amount of verses, then you'll get to go to Victory Valley Camp. The difficulty is, you see, the difficulty is when a person fails... To memorize scripture because they're not going to send me to Pinebrook Bible Conference as an adult. Okay? So, why should I memorize scripture? Because I'm not going to get my way paid to Pinebrook Bible Conference. Why should I do something if there is nothing in it for me? We have to learn to be Self-motivated. Let me tell you an odd thought this morning. Learning isn't always fun. There's nothing wrong with trying to make learning fun. You shouldn't try to make learning the most miserable experience in life. I get that. That's good. But you see, if we don't get to the place where we can do some hard work, we will never learn what we need to learn. It isn't always fun. I love to study the scripture, but it isn't always fun. Sometimes it takes discipline. Sometimes I feel like doing other things. Sometimes I don't feel like studying. But it can't always be about fun. If we're going to be a people of reputation and integrity. Life just isn't always fun. There's nothing wrong with trying to make chores fun. 
But they can't always be fun. And a person who doesn't learn that, and if don't learn that early on, it's really going to stunt your growth. And it's going to retard your development. Because life isn't always fun. Fourthly, we obtain and maintain a good reputation by choosing to take satisfaction in finishing well, which is better than simply starting well. Ecclesiastes 7.8 The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. Which simply means, don't boast or brag about what you're going to do, but rather take pride in what you have done. Don't brag or boast about what you're going to do, but rather take pride in what you have done. Don't brag in your first year of college that you're going to be a medical doctor. Wait till you're done. Because there are a lot of people who start well, but don't finish. The end of a matter is better than the beginning. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, believe it or not, is 1 Kings 20, verse 11. King of Israel answers against a king that's coming up against him in war. Then the king of Israel answered and said, Tell him, let not him who girds on his armor boast like him who takes it off. Here is this proud king who's boasting of his victory. And the king says, don't let the person who puts on the armor boast like the person who's taking it off. It's one thing to talk about what you're going to do. It's a whole nother thing to do it. We need to make and realize the difference. It's not simply saying we're going to do it. It's actually doing it. A person of integrity, a person of reputation, is a person who can be relied upon to do what they say they're going to do. And they are not satisfied until it's done. Put it another way. Don't, let, don't tell people what you're going to do. Let your accomplishments speak for themselves. Have you... I know that you've heard the Adventists. There's so many slogans. There are so many little pithy statements that go along with everything I'm saying this morning. One of them is, actions speak, actions speak louder than words. Don't tell people what you're going to do. Just do it. Just do it. Let people observe it. You don't have to draw your attention to it. You don't have to point it out. Did you see what I did today? People are watching. People take note. People realize what, what you are doing. They may not always compliment you. They may not always pat you on the back. But they know who to come to when they want to get something done. They know who to approach. They know who they can trust. Who they can fit their confidence in. Our reputation precedes us. Which brings us to verse 9. See how these all flow together. We need to get, guard against getting angry when things don't go our way. Ecclesiastes 7, 9. Don't be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. 
That's one of the reasons that people quit. They get mad. They get angry about what someone said or about how things don't go well. You know, some people, when they hit themselves on the thumb with a hammer, you can learn a lot about somebody. When you're working alongside them and they hit their, their thumb with a hammer. Some people take God's name in vain. Some people take that hammer and throw it across the room. Because they are so mad, because it hurts. And other people say, wow, that hurt. And they go back and they keep nailing. The person who is quick to anger is a person who most likely won't finish. They get upset with people. They get upset with the way it's done. They get upset with the people that are over them. They get upset with their boss. They get upset with the person that they're working with. And they throw up their hands and they are thrilled. A person of integrity, a person of good reputation is patient. With their own mistakes and with the mistakes of others. Some people... The first time things don't go their way, want to take their ball and go home. As I say, there are so many pithy little statements. If at first you don't succeed, that's what this is. It's that persevering spirit. Continue to try. Number five, we obtain and maintain a good reputation by choosing to obtain wisdom, which is better than choosing to obtain money. Wisdom is better than money, for it preserves life. Verse 12. Wisdom is protection just as money is protection. But the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of its possessors. The advantages of, of money is that it's a protection against difficulty. If there's no rain, if there's a famine, you have money to buy food. If you're laid up, can't work, you've got money set aside to pay your expenses. There's a lot of good things about money. But money, unlike wisdom, does not preserve the life of its, of its possessor. There's nothing about money that is going to guarantee or produce righteousness in your life. There are a lot of people who are, are wealthy. But are not very godly. There are people who are wealthy who are in prison. I just used a number of weeks ago Madoff as an example of a man who had billions of dollars. But that didn't keep him from stealing from others. Money doesn't guarantee success. Wisdom is what guarantees success. Money is good if it's accompanied by wisdom. Notice verse 11. Wisdom, along with an inheritance, is good. And an advantage to those who see the sun. If you've got an inheritance and you've got wisdom along with it, that's a good thing. It's great to be handed money when you use that money wisely. 
But again, we can think of examples of people who have come into a lot of money, but haven't used it very wisely. And it has resulted in their ruin and downfall. Wisdom with money is a good thing. Wisdom is more concerned about tomorrow than it is the past. Ecclesiastes 7.10 Do not say, why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. One of the temptations when you get older is to start living in the past. And sometimes when we live in the past, we have a distorted memory. There's actually a word for that. It's redaction. Redaction. Redaction is when you take away the bad stuff and remember the good stuff. It is redaction when you hear someone say, my child never cried. They don't have a very good memory. Okay, yeah. yeah, they did. My child never did that. But there's a tendency to do that. There's a tendency to say, in my day, things were far better. That's not the wise thing to say. It's not living in the past. It's looking into the future. The person of reputation and integrity isn't just satisfied with what they have done. But they're concerned about what they're going to do. About finishing well. One of the saddest things that I've done in my life, believe it or not, was going to a high school reunion. Oh, it was just... I hated it. I hated it. For a number of reasons. Okay, I show up at the high school reunion. And first of all, I was introduced as Reverend Reed and asked to pray. I don't mind doing that. Uh, I don't mind uh, praying. But uh, I was there about uh, 40 minutes before it started. And everybody's minging around. And and we're talking and reminiscing and and all that kind of stuff. And uh, one of the things I found to be quite sad is there was this whole table of athletes that was sitting there that were remembering the high school football team and all the things that happened. And it was their greatest point in their life because they weren't doing anything now. Uh, that was their greatest moment. Unfortunately, it was 25 years ago. Being a high school football player. Those were the good old days. And they had nothing to rejoice in today. That's sad. That's sad. New accomplishments. New endeavors. Don't just live in the past. A person of reputation is today being what they ought to be. And not just living off of the past. Not just their past reputation. But today. What am I today? What am I doing for God today? How am I living for God today? It's about today. It's about tomorrow. And one of the other things that was really sad about that, that reunion is as I prayed, and then I sat down to eat. And for the rest of the night, my conversations were different than they were before, because now everybody knew I was a pastor. And people would get me alone, to the side. And all of a sudden, they're not talking about the football game anymore. 
Now, they're telling me about how they just broke up with their wife. Or how their child is sick. And they were looking for someone to have empathy and compassion. All of a sudden, what was coming to light were the real issues of life. When just a moment before they were laughing and carrying on like there was nothing wrong. Now they were sad and they were broken. Which brings us full circle to the beginning of Ecclesiastes 7. When a person is laughing but is sad. You know, there are a lot of people at work, at school, your neighbors, who are laughing, but deep down inside are broken. Broken. They're trying to cover up. They're trying to put on a good mask. They're, they're trying to make a, a front for the world, a facade, that everything is fine. But deep down underneath, everything isn't fine. Making good choices is essential in having a good reputation and being a person of integrity. So, in review, a person of good reputation chooses to do the right thing, not just the easy thing. A person of good reputation chooses to do the right thing when no one is watching, when no one is standing over them, when no one is punishing them or rewarding them. But in their self-discipline is doing the right thing simply because it's the right thing to do. A person of good reputation chooses to take pride in finishing rather than in simply getting started. A person of good reputation chooses integrity over wealth. May God help us to have a good reputation. One that is well earned by obtaining and maintaining good choices. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you and help us this morning to make wise choices in our lives. That we might be people of Good reputation. Reputations that are er, uh, worthy, that are earned, that are right. Help us not to try to mask our lives by sweetening them with deeds and activities that seemingly are praiseworthy, but when people really get to know us, really cause it to be more odorous than when we started. Oh, Lord. May we be on the inside what we present to people on the outside. May we be true and reliable, responsible. Help us to have and maintain a good reputation. Help us in the choices that we make. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.